Enter New R Presents. Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern, Episode 23, Arcane Punk. This episode was recorded live at twitch.tv slash lantern noir. Hello and welcome to Happy Hour. It's 5 o'clock on a Tuesday. Hopefully the audio issues have sorted themselves out. And this takes sticks. Uh, my name is Rob, a.k.a. Lantern Noir. We are joined in chat by at least one person, Crimson Howling. Glad to have you here. Um, and with me is the other co-host. Greybeard of Greybeard Tavern. <laughs> uh, so, how has your week been? Before we get into talking D&D, let's do our weekly recap of interesting gaming stuff. All right. Uh, so, uh, Thursday, um, we are closing in. I know I keep saying it, but our DM keeps stretching it out. Uh, closing in on, uh, you, we, we love you, Endor, if ever you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> uh, our superheroes mask game, um, The Green Sun, is, uh, is over on Endor Adventures on Thursdays. And yeah, it uh, we started to reveal that uh, the our uh, my character Cody, uh, aka Golden Gauntlet, is uh, his love interest and his rival are getting together, and uh, he's going to be crushed. Um, but as one is also also understanding because uh, Cody is really growing into his own. He's really he's. Uh, growing up he's he's gonna be a superhero superhero hence the superhero voice um <laughs> but uh and so then um let's see front or saturday take two uh take six uh saturday uh me and the grognards just hung out and talked politics because we had a last minute cancellation so um we are in our our last two episodes of the story arc uh in there and so they are very soon gonna find out what the deal is with the the 10 year old girl they plucked out of a cryo chamber floating in space and what her mysterious secret powers are um last last we left them there were invisible assailants around them and they couldn't figure out who or what they were on an on a desert planet um so yeah so that was that sunday we played uh zvai honda uh with the english uh mostly english english canadian crew that i play with um and uh we all got our second profession because zvai honda you don't have classes, you have professions and skills and stuff. And so uh, my berserker is now a berserker <laughs> slash sellsword. And um, as a sellsword, his trait for being a sellsword is he does not take uh, grievous or wait, serious wounds. You, you, you cannot seriously wound him. You have to pretty much kill him or he keeps fighting. <laughs> um, so that's pretty awesome combined with the berserker and, um, and the, the story and the sound work is just amazing. Uh, hollow tail is, uh, is a sound engineer. So the background noises are always doing stuff and, you know, he brings the, brings the sound up and drops it and stuff. And so it's, it's an amazing game and I, um, definitely a hollow tail, uh, 
t-a-l-e go check out his twitter um uh i played with him on it's now penny for a tale uh it used to be encounter roleplay and uh we did an entire series there um over there with those guys and it was fantastic so definitely go check that out if ever you want some steampunky goodness because that's what we played we played a a zombie apocalypse with vampires game basically um and uh and that was that was a good time with them that was ages past but you can watch that on youtube um a cell uh, what sword else? and a weapons merchant are true basically the same mm. <laughs> i suppose if you break the language down directly Yes, yes. <laughs> but a literal translation. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, so that was and then after and then, that. Gr- and then Griff lands on Sunday morning. Uh, of course, we uh, I um, as Smith, the character you love to hate, died. He, oh, he died. No. Oh, he got into like a big boss battle and a giant snail thing just ate his face off. Uh, by by like two cards. I lost this. I was supposed to convince the guards that I was supposed to be there and, and just barely just did not have the cards to do it right. So I had to fight the guards and I just wasn't strong enough after fighting the guards to take on the monster because they killed my friend. Um, anyway, uh, so Griff Lance was a lot of fun, um, as is always. So we've decided because we still have time because Darkest Dungeon 2 is not out yet. We're gonna start. We're gonna start again, and we're gonna play all three characters all the way through. So, and that's it for my gaming week. How did you do? That should be fun. Well, Wednesday night we started the um, little bridge game. I'm running to give my Wednesday night usual group a break, um, and it, I mean again, it worked out. I actually got a text from Barely Molly, no, from Tiffany who's one of the two players and she's down in the same part of the neck of the woods that barely Molly is from. And they were able to meet up and shake hands with each other and have lunch together. Um, a, because they're actually finally in the same place at the same time and B they're both fully vaccinated. And then some, so yeah, it was like, it was the most normal thing I think that's happened um, or could happen in <laughs> the streaming community. That idea of like, let's have a meetup somewhere. And it's, it's really exciting for me to think about because it's it's so close to like, I'm th- already starting to do the, okay, so when we get to the fall con season, which mm. ones are we thinking we might all kind of <laughs> gag along that are going to be sent? Like, I'm not ready for Gen Con. It's too big. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready for Origins. There's baggage. But I'm like, okay, where can yeah. we all meet up? Maybe. Um, which will be a lot of fun. But anyway, so that was the Wednesday night game. Uh, was a, a ton of fun. There was some really great role playing, some really great storytelling, um, some really good detective work. There's a lot of like, I introduced a the captain of the guard, and I was expecting a really long scene with him, mm. and I actually wrote him in as being deaf because I really wanted to, to riff off of that from the Dragon Prince, mm-hmm. and it was like the least like he had maybe three minutes of screen time mm. because the party had figured everything out. They didn't have to ask him anything. <laughs> like they've got okay we got this clue we got this clue we got this clue we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this and off they go um and it was really really fun and then saturday was supposed to be the ravenloft one shot and i got a phone call over discord from one of the four players at two in the afternoon going so turns out my fiance didn't tell us tell me but we have a major dinner with her family tonight 
So I'm four hour notice. I'm, I'm asking around going, okay, what can we do with this? How can I do this? And would you believe that Danae Keener, DanaeKeener.com uh, was free and was able to sit in um, and fill the party out. And it was just an absolute blast. Every time I've run this Ravenloft module one shot, um, mm -hmm. I learned a little more about pacing and making it fit at the table right. within the time limits because there's just so much stuff you want to do. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because I got to the end and I'm like, I had so much prep work that never got touched because they just didn't go those directions. Right. Which makes me even more excited for the next time I say, okay, let's do it again. Right. Because um, if it's a completely new group, I know to go a little faster through the exposition. And then it's like, right. who knows where they're going to go with it? Because right. it's a flow chart. So they go where they go. Um, and I've already figured out the twist that'll make the, the final battle different than this last one. Um, but it was really fun. Um, and then my Sunday night game continues with, continued with its Curse of Strahd campaign. They've gotten out of the Lockheed. They're having a great time. It was great, great to get together with all of them. It's just, it's a fun group to hang out with. And then I'm on summer vacation officially as of yesterday. So I am now like, do I want to stream more? Do I want to start another D&D game? Do I want to start a midday game? You know, something a little more <laughs> European schedule friendly. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> or do I want to like just keep... You know, keep my night schedule the way it is. Or you know, I, I, it's weird. I played like Mech Warrior Five for an hour today, and I'm like, I'm not streaming this. I am dude. I really a streamer? <laughs> I I'm so yes, I'm so there with you. Uh, I I told you I used to do. Uh, I used to do. I think we called it Sci-Fi Saturday or something. And I used to only play like Mech Warrior or you know Sci-Fi, Cyberpunk, whatever games. And, uh, yeah, it, it was really funny because the, I had an early time slot, like 8 a.m. time slot. And with, you know, my general Vikingness and, you know, the, the tavern the way it is, um, we you, people just always German, uh, Germany, Norway, Sweden would pop yes. in like every week. And I, I've got friends who still show up. Uh, to my Sunday show, my Sunday morning show, because, you know, it's late there, later in the day there. And so they, they still hang out with us. But for a long time, we joked, Saturday mornings, I'm number one in Norway. <laughs> you know, because I would pop up on their, on their, on their Twitch uh, things because I'd have eight or ten people watching me. And at that time slot, that was enough usually with what I was playing to get me on, on the board in, in uh, those European countries. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it was pretty funny. Yeah. Pretty funny. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Okay, so before we hit our topic of the week, um, if you have, I wanna, before we get too far, remind everybody that we are part of the Inverse Genius family of podcasts and content. So if you want to provide feedback or suggestions for a future episode, um, we happily welcome them. Uh, you can reach us at the Old Timer Tavern. I think that's what it is. Yeah, Old Timer Tavern at gmail.com or at the Inverse Genius uh, Facebook group where you can also find all the other great content creators in the Inverse Genius family. Um, there's an amazing group of people uh, that do everything from board games to role-playing games to video games to just nerding out. Um, yes, I saw you guys. I just, I couldn't, my schedule didn't line up right. I had stuff happen with um, my wife and I were kind of both having lazy days yesterday. But yes, um, Enceladosaurus and Third Tier had a, 
are starting a podcast together. Their first nice. episode, I believe, was yesterday. So huge props to them for joining the the streaming the podcasting community. Woo. Um, and if it takes off and you feel confident with it, I can get you in touch with a great team of content creators because <laughs> they are amazingly fun people to hang out with. So this week's topic is our own topic. Uh, and it kind of came out of last week. We were talking pirates and cannons. And then we said, well, wait a minute. What kind of tech do you see in a fantasy RPG? And how do you, as a DM, resolve really inventive players? And I kind of feel like that's like that's where we should start. <laughs> right. Um, and kind of go from there. Uh, I want to actually lead in with some context from where I'm coming sure, from sure, with sure. a lot of this, which is I used to do historical reenacting. Um, I was part of the Kings or 8th Regiment of Foot reenacted out of the Detroit, Michigan area. And, um, and that is its actual title. The Kings or 8th Regiment hmm. was its full title. You would see that like on their official colors um, hmm. and they still exist in a form um, hmm. because there's a garrison in Ontario that traces its roots right. back to the original Kings or eighth. Um, so we used to bump into things where you would feel very clever about doing something a certain way in mm. camp because you had limited tools. You had the, the tools of the 18th century and someone would say, are you sure you should be doing that? And we go, well, we're using period tools, right? Well, is that how they did it? <laughs> well, we don't we don't have any documentation that they did it this way, but but they could have. Exactly. <laughs> and and it's that kind of a thing where it gets a little bit in re, within reenacting, it gets a little bit weird when you say things like they could have if they had just thought of it and it would have caught on if anyone had. Mm -hmm. But no one did. <laughs> Right. Therefore, that's not what you're supposed to be doing in <laughs> camp. Um, and, that, and that's I, I kind of flavor a lot of my thought process with technology in fantasy games very similarly. Right. That we, we have a, that I kind of use that as an angle as I come into it. What's your like overarching rule when you when, when someone says, what's our tech level for this game? Where's, where's your starting point? So until a few years ago, basically um, until I start running for kids, uh, as my as my daughters were growing up, and we had a group of like three dads and like six kids, and when I started DMing for them, uh, you know the gloves came off, and you know we were on the ice and just going at it. Who cares? Whatever. Um, until then i was very there were there were two camps there was warhammer camp and yes dwarves have guns because they're dwarves you know and and everything else was very tolkien you like on my other camp it was because i too was a reenactor as you can see my armor is right there <laughs> um, uh the uh but we did dark period um we were we were actually uh, Germans uh, conscripted to the Roman auxiliaries, and we um, we belonged to the Society for Creative Anachronism. We were a unit. We, uh, you know, um, we were interesting because it, because we were 
Germanic. We didn't have the same shields or tabards. Everybody was their own thing because we're fripping barbarians, right? And so uh, we used to have a really good time with it. Um, uh, we were we were under uh, the camp of Blue Rose was our official SCA camp. Um, and it was a gorgeous, gorgeous place at Penzik. There was uh, the guy who started it was the guy who taught my brother uh, blacksmithing and uh, the, the camp itself. He was a landscaper, you know, full time and blacksmith part time. And the camp is beautiful, gorgeous place. And, and hence, we used to do all the stuff. We would build chairs that were period. We had... Uh, my brother uh, blacksmithed <laughs> uh, a replica Viking grooming kit. <laughs> so a little a little uh, wound iron ring with scissors and tweezers and an earwax scoop. Anyone who says Vikings didn't have, uh, <laughs> you know, were were just sloppy and didn't care. They did, a, you know, there was whalebone combs and and mm -hmm. stuff. We of course had no whalebone. Thank you, environment. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so um, for the longest time, you know, we, and and I come from martial arts background and stuff. So all that played in for for decades with me. And I really it wasn't until, like I said, until the kids and running the kids group that I really started to loosen up and sky's the limit. <laughs> you know, uh, at this point, I I enjoy um, one of the games I ran recently had um, it had pickle barrels with twin scimitars. Oh, they're not there. Um, but I had twin scimitars where the blades of the barrels and these orcs were flying these barrels with twin scimitar propellers run by magic and, you know, just airships, whatever. Let's just, you know sky's the limit but that's only been recently so it it really i because again playing with the kids i really started to just like sure sky's the limit because the the tv shows and stuff that that people are growing up with now are you know i mean Dragon Ball Z and 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 stuff like that. They, you know, Super Son, you know, and then there's godlike powers and you know, oh, uh, Pokemon, blam, and they now I have a dinosaur kaiju that fights for me, and that's what they're growing up with. So that's kind of where their fantasy levels are. So um, yeah, well, that yeah. that makes some sense. I'm thinking when I using that as like a bridge for when you lay the foundation for what you want in your world. Mm. So if you're running a game and you're like, okay, what's going to be normal in this world? What's our tech level? I have noticed that in most fantasy settings that we're seeing in pop culture, they're really heavy in steampunk as an underlay, not the classic like late 19th century steampunk, right. but just like Renaissance steampunk mm. where if it, if they want to do something technological, it's run by steam or magnets or some there's some kind of like light in jar system where it bottles lightning and they they pull it out <laughs> later when they need it um yep. i'm thinking uh it was uh shoot is it stardust was the neil gaiman book that got converted to the movie 
Ooh, and there's they, like four of them. Yeah. And I think that's one of them. There was Compass, something Compass, and Stardust. Yeah, and... but they, they had the Lightning anyway. Pirates Yeah, that were out capturing Lightning and in, basically in like sort of Leiden jars, which were like mm-hmm. the precursor of the battery or the right. capacitor, um, which anybody that's taken intro physics, you've seen one um, or maybe built one, if depending on how adventurous your instructors were. Um and those really weren't that far removed from the Renaissance period. Like right. we, as we were coming out of the dark ages into the Renaissance, this is where science leapt to. We didn't know what to do with it yet, but we were getting there fast. <laughs> Although that said fast being from the earth history point of view, uh, several hundred years till we got to applications. Right. I mean, we, we had Leiden jars and then it took us a long time to get to the telegraph machine. <laughs> so um, that's another thing I think that gets lost in some of this. Well, you know, it's not that big of a jump, but I tend to fall in the category of thinking in terms of where's the um, impetus to invent something technological when there's magic. And I feel right. like magic changes so much of our tech conversations. I, and I think that again to to use the Eberron Arcana Punk thing. Okay, here here let's let's do a little history on that. When Eberron was first being talked about, hate so much hate. <laughs> I I hated Eberron. Hated. And, and, you know, again, I was in the middle of my reenacting and, and stuff and, and they, we were moving into like third edition and we, you know, the, our Tolkien brains were so angry when the, when the third edition books came out and all of a sudden there were double weapons and, all the armor had spikes on it and and as as actual armor crafters like my brother made my armor you know <laughs> type thing as those type of historic people third edition was an affront to us and then eberron was even like off the rails there's trains run by elementals <laughs> you know it 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 was painful it was just painful but now looking at it i'm like if that's again i think that that's really part of your session zero the uh campaign i was running at home here i i gave out a session zero form and on it was you know airships yes no guns yes no you know to get a feel for the table and see where people were at um and then, as under poetic DM license, if someone did have a gun, it would be a singular thing that that NPC had to break the rules and to be a surprise and to and to push the boundaries. Because um, well, oh, that that's where some of my um, historical background gets me in trouble because mm-hmm. I tend to take the approach of if you're going to start to flirt with tech tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and not magic supported tech. I really want to look at, well, do you, do you know what it takes to make a match mm-hmm. lock or a wheel lock or a flint lock work? Um, yeah. and I think one of the things that's really underrepresented in the lore 
And it's, it's weird because part of me is like, this is a cinematic game. Uh, if someone wants to use a light crossbow and mm. we just reskin it as a firearm, that doesn't change any of the mechanics. Right. So it's not a big deal until it becomes a big deal. Right. Um, but things like match locks. And so if you want to go realistic on it, match locks and flint locks and wheel locks were all profoundly unreliable up until <laughs> they they'd been in use for a very long time. Match locks in particular suffered from all kinds of things from the, the slow wick going out to having it not ignite the main charge um, to having too large of a hole between your pan and your main charge, which could then cause it to, to either backfire or to simply not, do what it was supposed to do. Rifling was incredibly difficult to work into the picture. A, a breech loader in the, in 1790 was considered one of like the, like, oh my gosh, Ooh. they've built breech loading <laughs> rifles. And that was like super high tech. That's um, it's a, the rotary cannon of the day. It, um. it, yes. And fun, fun anecdote. Um, one of the, the early rifles developed by the British um, they had deployed a captain and a, 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 a company of sharpshooters with them. And mm -hmm. one of them had lined up on Washington mm. in a relatively early battle. And yeah. he couldn't bring himself to pull the trigger because mm. uh, according to his diaries or his, uh, yeah. his accounts after the fact, Washington was too regal to be taken from the field <laughs> so dishonorably as by a sniper. Um, right, right. <laughs> so, but, but again, too, that's like the kind of thing where it's weird because part of me wants to say, even though I, I realize I, I run games that are really cinematic. You know, mm -hmm. we don't track ammo unless mm -hmm. it's important. We don't track right. rations unless it's important. So why do I care about being realistic about firearms? But for some reason I do. <laughs> no, I, and, and I, I, I so understand, um, particularly, uh, and I, I think it was in three five, but it's hard to remember because it's it was so many splat books. But there were there were guns in three five, um, I believe in one of the core books. But it was suddenly they they tried to make guns more like guns, and so it was okay. It doesn't. It has. Um, it would go through armor and then there was drs and the mechanics got wonky so in fifth in the dmg they they have guns and grenades and stuff listed like if you want to do a futures crossover or whatever but it all just jumps right into okay yep you still got a hit it still does damage and it's not you know it's not it's not lightsaber technology it, they aren't magic weapons they just are you know, they're pretty much reskinned heavy crossbows. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and third tier does bring up that in the Wednesday night game, uh, his his elven artificer does pack a flintlock. Mm -hmm. And though that one, I feel like I'm almost ready to say it works the way it works because the artificer is also a magic class that somehow is channeling their magic into their constructs. And that's why that's why she gets away with it. Right. Um, and then Jackal's contribution is that tech is a balance to magic in their worlds. Good points about the mechanics. Thank you for that. Yeah. And that's a way to mechanically kind of like decide how much you want to allow 
the blacksmith and the people that work with them to catch mm-hmm. up to the high mages. Because if you think about where a fifth level mage is in terms of ability to muck up the world mm-hmm. compared to a fifth level fighter. Right. I mean, the fifth level fighter is a great fighter, but like wizards can do some scary ass crap. <laughs> um, and, um, and that's where things get really dicey. And, um, and so I like the idea of there being a certain amount of ability to use that tech as you world build. Right. To see what you're going to do. And then third tier brings up a good point that in the fifth edition rule book, there are black powder firearms. Yep. Um, the twist is, uh, and as we said before, a lot of that comes down to your session zeros where yeah. you say you may be in the book, but yeah, the, um, so there's, uh, there's a graphic novel series out there by, um, Zeb. Oh, it's going to bug me. Can't remember his name. Uh, Keep talking. Anyway, he, uh, it's called Skull Kickers. <laughs> and, and it's got the classic dwarf. And then it's got a huge, huge fighter guy who goes around with this little dwarf on their adventures. But he has six guns. And they're magic. They're Ooh. just magic six guns. They they shoot bullets. You never see them reload. It's it's just they're they're a magic thing. So, I for years have wanted to play a kobold cowboy, and he uh, he has he has six guns, but they're actually they're just wands of magic missile. Like he, he never misses, you know, he's got these pistols and he never misses and he's this little cobalt cowboy. And um, so I love that idea so much that I talked wings into letting the the wand of magic mistle pistol appear in. She was playing a um, she was running the mines of Philander, Philander, the, the module that comes in the basic D&D book or uh, box set. She was running that, but with a Wild West twist. Mm. And that was the that was the magic item I wanted to see was the the golden pistol that never misses. And so that's <laughs> what it was, was a, mon- a Wanda magic missile that that never misses. And it had some, you know, great name like... Uh, yeah, anyway, it was basically Spanish for the golden gun. Um um, but yeah, uh, I Dolly's, um, I used to be able to do that. Yeah. 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 I can't remember anyway. Um, but that's one of the things basically when, when the artificer came into, uh, unearthed arcana, I was like, okay, yeah, it's, it's over. It's, it's the, as soon as the artificer hits a real book, the 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 age of arcana punk is going to be all upon us you know with stuff like full full metal alchemist and you know like i said everybody who's in their 20s and stuff growing up and playing dnd now that's the stuff they grew up with and so that's you know that's where they're gonna think you know uh mm-hmm. and, Although- and pets everybody wants a pet and whether it's a steam powered monkey or a you know a, a fuzzball with fangs or you know whatever so. was it the D cartoon where they made gunpowder at one point because they were and they called it dragon's bane mm. i remember a cartoon as a kid i want to say it was the dungeons and dragons cartoon because they had to deal with a dragon that wasn't tiamat 
Yeah. And Merlin, I think it was they came across an actual Merlin, not the f- the other Merlin they came across. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made he made gunpowder, mm. but they called it Dragon's Bane. Right. Because um, that gets into that. Um, I think, and the thing too, I would also put out there, speaking of the artificer coming up, is that everything that's not player's handbook or DM's guide, really we need to remember is in that optional rules category where they're very, they lean very heavy in those four words to say, we're not entirely sure if this is going to break the game. Right. So please, please be aware this, this could break the game. (laughs) Um, we don't know it might. Um, And I like to think of the artificer, as I said earlier, as being not so much an amazing engineer as a wizard with a need to make it look right. <laughs> right. Like, right, right. I, I had a, a character concept actually um, for a superhero. Mm. Uh, her name was Gizmo. And her superpower was that she could invent just about anything that she needed to, given an ample time and equipment, without having to follow the rules of physics. Nice. So she could like build a a bio scanner, mm. and she'd put the bells and the whistles and the the be- the lights on it and the, the rays to read with and all these things and you'd, you'd be with the, you know be you handheld you'd crank it up to get it running and stuff and anybody who knew anything about science would look at it and go I don't know what that is <laughs> like I, that that should you you literally have bulbs in sockets that are not wired to anything but they're lighting up. And it would work. And Remember, I, any any significantly <laughs> advanced science will appear to be magic. Which which was was the opposite. That she really had right. magic. But I, I see right. artificers very much in that through that lens mm-hmm. where it's you're not really developing high tech. Right. You're you're just you're just obsessed with toys to the point where you need your toys to do your magic. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's almost like uh, maybe there's a certain like mental block where mm-hmm. a wizard can say, okay, if I if I combine this rune with that rune and I, I see this part of the weave and I'm able to pull it this way and then twist it that way and then upend it over here, fire shoots out of my hands. Right. Whereas an artificer goes, well, that seems like a lot of work. What if I just figure out, what if I just <laughs> channel it into here and then I spoot it out there and I have a flamethrower? Right. <laughs> but I, 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 only I understand how to make it work. Right. <laughs> yep. And I, I have this, I have two tanks on my back and one has, you know, frog spit and one has, has, uh, you know, gin in it. And, <laughs> and when I pump this up and hit the thing. <laughs> well, but okay. But that gets us into a whole nother topic. Because we haven't sure, even haven't okay. touched on cannons yet. We have to talk cannons at some point. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Um, but before we even talk cannons, what do we do when the player set? Yeah, don't drink the wrong tank in that case. <laughs> and and um, I apologize for the offense. Um, and if it's legitimate, please whisper me. Um, I actually had a, an incident earlier today where someone made um, a, a relatively inappropriate, in my opinion, inappropriate joke um, in a chat. And there was, when I said, hey, that wasn't cool, their response was, well, I'm, I'm really tough, thick-skinned about these kinds of things. And my next thought was, I, I don't care if you're thick-skinned. I'm the one that's offended. <laughs> and, and then I made the mistake of saying, well, I'll just wait for the mod to sort this out. And then I looked back at the chat and went, oh, that was a mod who, t- who told that joke. <laughs> oh, well, that escalated quickly. Um, 
But the tank thing, the tank mm. thing, though, we as modern people living in a world where there is compulsory education through the age of majority know a lot more science and mathematics than a typical peasant needs to to survive right. in a fantasy world i mean there's a i'm not i'm not downplaying skill trades i'm not downplaying the the knowledge base needed to be a successful blacksmith you have to know a certain level of chemistry a certain level of metallurgy a certain level of physics absolutely i'm not downplaying that but you probably haven't drawn force diagrams or right. balanced equations um, but we have and we've done a lot of chemistry what do we do when the player says i know if i fill one tank with chemical a and one mm. tank with chemical b and i blast them out at the same time and the wizard uses her cantrip to produce flame in front of it we yeah. have a functioning flamethrower right now uh one you can always flip the laws of physics because well it's a fantasy world um <laughs> and or two go sure let's go for that but you don't necessarily know how to build a backflow mechanism and so anytime you roll a one the whole tank goes off like a eight dice fireball um <laughs> with you at ground zero <laughs> you know i you can always kind of kibitz and and work around it and 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 you know do those kind of things but like aren't, aren't you afraid in that circumstance though you're just encouraging the player to sit down and better troubleshoot their modern brain engineering well you can be because again <laughs> i i'm gonna hit this one from i believe it was dragon magazine where someone Oh my goodness, I really can't remember the details, but it was something like one of the classes or something, create object, and they were creating object to make an atomic bomb or something. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those that, that there was, they went through the entire, it was like a, a mini essay about how to deal with this type of, of thing, you know, uh, and and it's just one of those where, you just talk to the player and say, okay, tell you what, rule of cool, let's do this once, but once, <laughs> you know, or, yeah, that's very great. Uh, I love the story story of that, but it really doesn't fit the world. Or the gods intervene and go, Ooh, time, 15-yard penalty. You have created this and this. No, this is going to have ramifications in the timeline. So they snatch, <laughs> snatch that away and throw it aside. And it I hadn't exist, thought about you know? that. But, you know, so, now that I do, that sudden, like, burst of inspiration where somebody goes, why don't I try combining these things and see what happens? Mm. Um, a god could come along and go, yeah, you know, that's going to mess up all kinds of plans. I'm just <laughs> going to take the thing away and, and wipe it from your memory. Because the alternative is I turn you into a salt pillar. Yeah, exactly. And then that raises questions. <laughs> so, like, you don't want to do it. There, there was one I read, because there's the classic combination of portable hole and bag of holding right, in the yeah. the arrow mechanism 
mm-hmm. that you can use. Um, the one I read, which I thought was very clever, was a ring of dispel magic. And then you take a pile of cannonballs and cast shrink on them and load those as the bullets with the ring at the barrel of the gun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the physics guy in me goes, okay, by all means, bring this on. I can't wait to see you use it in combat because the law of conservation momentum is going to kick in. So when that cannonball, that cannonball is going to do one of two things. It's going to be full mass when the right. shrink is dispelled. Right. Conservation momentum says that mass times velocity is always conserved, which means if your mass jumps from a tenth of a pound to mm. 70 pounds, <laughs> your speed is going to drop by a factor of 700. Right. So <laughs> go for it. <laughs> B- bullets through water. Very yeah. dangerous for like eight feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but after eight feet in water, bullets just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> they give it up. Yeah. Um, and um, and that, uh, or just you just wait for the first time for an enemy spellcaster to go, I think they're using protection magic. Mass dispel. Mm-hmm. Oh, now your rogue's having fun. <laughs> Everything bursts because it's all cannonballs everywhere. Yeah. They're buried under a pile of cannonballs. I wonder, I would actually call this the A-team rule. Mm. You ever notice they never maverick anything the same way twice? Right. Every right. episode, they come up with this brilliant plan, and they only execute it one time. Right. Yeah. Why can't we make the cabbage cannon again in the next in the next episode? Can we can we do that? Um. Yeah. Well, you don't get that neat build montage mm-hmm. if they just go go back to their their playbook and say, "Why don't we do what we did?" I think there may have been a later season where I think they did one throwback of. Oh, we can do. We've done in the did. past um, <laughs> with a twist, but right. yeah, I mean that's another one you can use if you're if you're into a game that is cinematic. You can use that maybe as a part of talking to the player to say, "This is really cool. I'm glad you came up with it. Let's do it this mm-hmm. week." But All we right. understand that, like a good TV show, this is a one and done thing. Yeah. Yeah, the the tower is crumbling. Your monk is able to run down the debris of the tower until he can get to close enough to the ground to dive off and roll. And you know, ooh, okay, once that, yeah, that's great. Let's rule of cool. Okay, uh, never again. <laughs> but it, and it's weird though, because I'll and this is something that I would encourage people that are running games to have good conversations with players, because there's nothing wrong if your game is fixated mm-hmm. with encouraging players to think outside the box like this. So if you have built your game world and table around the, the homemade flamethrower and you're like, no, they have a homemade flamethrower. I just have to adjust to it. Then that's, that's your game. And then you adjust to it. And that's perfectly fine. If that's what you want to do. Um, And then just kind of be aware you, you also have to think as fast as your players do. Yep. Uh, and, and that's the thing too, is that you can, you can make something fantastic like that. Again, I'll go back to my, my, uh, philosophy major DM, uh, philosophy, uh, it wouldn't be a major if he's got the degree. I had a DM who had a master's degree in philosophy. And the thing is, is if someone is now in a medieval realm running around with a flamethrower 
there will be powers within the realm that want said flamethrower <laughs> or will want the flamethrower dead <laughs> and so then the machinations of the realm if you have if you have invented a gatling gun in you know 1403 <laughs> it's going to change the world but it's going to change the world and so now you are a focal point in this new world. People are going to try to buy your Gatling gun. People are going to try to steal your Gatling gun. People are going to try to kill you and take your Gatling gun. People are going oh, to try uh, and fail to copy the Gatling gun. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So Yeah, that's a definite. And I think if your players, thinking in terms of like DM advice for the moment, if your players are pushing back against that, Mm -hmm. absolutely i want to say it's i I think it's the last samurai with tom cruise yeah and you you see what happens when you go from a uh, musket infantry to one facing repeating firearms yes and it is and they don't they don't pull punches it is it is brutal and it is scary and it is very well filmed um, yes. to show that the, the tragedy on the field when that, when that, those moments happened coupled with a certain amount of like, some of the characters really look pained, um, mm-hmm. being on the gun side of it going, this, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> our, our system of honor just changed because we want to win. Mm-hmm. So obviously we're going to keep using this, but what does it mean to win honorably when these are the weapons at our disposal? Um, And so it definitely becomes one where maybe it is a case where a group of wizards get together and just blow the sting up because Mm -hmm. they don't want the world to change that seriously. uh, um, So in, um, I'll go to Harnmaster. In Harnmaster, you know, wizards, all real trained wizards all go to specialized watched over you know schools and you are trained to be a x type wizard or whatever and it's very regulated and yes the wizards police themselves because they know if there's witches and sorcerers and warlocks and stuff out there it'll come back on them <laughs> so they try to police their own in in that and that's i have seen and uh heard of people running their games like that like okay you are you are now a fifth level wizard which means you enter the domain of blah 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 and you have to travel to a certain place to learn your new spells and to be you know to be ordained by the other uh chicanery or whatever you know so um there's ways to, to work with it. Like, for instance, um, in my old campaign way back in um, second edition, we were creating a world and we wanted to introduce because Barrier Peaks had come out um, and that had spaceships and aliens and, you know, veggie pygmies and everything in it. And so we decided we were going to introduce into our home homebrew world. We were going to introduce alien, some alien races, because we were also playing sci-fi games and battle tech and all that, too. Mm-hmm. So we introduced some sci-fi races, some sci-fi tech, and we decided that the the greatest city of wizards on the planet was actually built around a crashed <laughs> spaceship. 
And that's where technology and magic and ooh, sending spells. Yeah, sending spells. Of course, you need the focus crystal to send your sending spells, not knowing <laughs> that it's a communications crystal created by this superior alien race. And, you know, so you can do it all kinds of crazy ways. It's the, the whole 70s sci-fi and fantasy were much more tightly woven together. Well, and that, that bridges really well um, with something I wanted to mention that came up in the chat. Um, sure. and so working back up the chat very quickly, sure, um, sure. I do want to acknowledge that here shared the fun fact that the samurai who revolted were pardoned by the emperor a decade later, um, historically speaking, and uh, with a gentle reminder too to remember that there is some problematic nature to The Last Samurai as a white savior movie. Mm. Um, it is really, I would say, within the last two decades, Hollywood's starting to get on with the idea of you can have people of color headline movies and movies do just fine. Yes. Um, and that was a very that was a hard fight to win. Um, mm. Dances with Wolves is another example of that. Uh, Hollywood wasn't ready to have a movie without like a Kevin Costner at the head of it, which is unfortunate. The the thing I'm going to give props to to Last Samurai at the time, so gorgeous, so yeah, absolutely gorgeous. A a samurai period film with that kind of budget had not been seen in mm -hmm. in a decade since kurosawa and you know uh ron and 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 some of the other movies that actually came out of china and and japan with big budgets so i was i was happy for no other reason to see it and i also did appreciate you know the white savior part yes problematic but i did appreciate that it was a teaching it was a way to go, okay, this is an outsider and he's learning just like Shogun was. Mm. And um, I can't remember the other uh, Kevel uh, book that was about China. That was the same way. Um, but if you really want to do a uh, side note, if you really want to read a good massive book, it's called, uh, I think it's Story of the Heike. It is considered one of the first uh novels ever written and it is from ancient japan and it it goes it's several generations of of family and it and it's massive it's you know two thousand pages or something like that and it's really good if you like if you like samurai and samurai history and and whatnot it follows this family these two rival families through this period that's pre-tokugawan cool well and the other point that came up with speaking of the 70s um when we started gaming if a uh, player sat down at my table and said um so I'm, I'm we're talking now 80s and going into the 90s um if they sat down and said i had this crazy idea mm. i want to build a trebuchet that we can carry on the <laughs> back of a giant like what we're or a half orc and I figured it out. Like I mathed it out. Like they have a lift encumbrance up so he can hold the counterweight. And then we can use like under his arm, we can load it in and it'll, it'll work. And I know that my player did that. Yeah. Or at the least his engineering uncle slash dad, older brother <laughs> did it with them. Um, or older sibling, older sister, perhaps. Um, that was their work nowadays. Like I, part of what sticks in my brain is I'm on the dungeons and dads Facebook group. And there's a guy who's um, constantly posting engineering schematics mm. of like, check it out this time. And they they range from anything from the a, like five person death trap 
<laughs> to like a full schematic of how to use the the principle of the portable hole explosion to fuel a rocket. Right, right, and, right. And they're cool and they're clever, but now it's like someone sits down at the table and says, hey, I have this idea. Right. It's like, did you? Or did you find this idea? Right, Because right. now I'm rewarding you. That Now if you can break this part of the story, I'm rewarding you for doing a really good job living in the 21st century. Hmm. And that I think it's changed a lot of this ingenuity is, which is good, right? In the right. sense of, the internet has freed us to have better conversations, to grow and educate, but it really puts a spotlight on how long it took knowledge to disseminate just thirty right. years ago. Yeah, yeah. We're not even talking Middle Ages technology. Yeah, I, I, yeah. For instance. Um... It's really funny because it used to be kind of until until the 2000s, it was kind of a thing where it, it um, oh, what was the, there's a, a comic, a series of comics, I think it was Dork Tower or whatever, the, the guy, the DM for the group in Dork Tower, he's at the bookstore or something and he starts talking about medieval this and the line and spearmen and la 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 and tactics and all this. And people are like, oh my goodness, are you a history professor? No, gamer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I play D&D. And, and, and it, it's, so, it's so interesting now how, you know, when I was showing up, martial arts were not a, thing i mean they were like oh maybe there was a bruce lee movie but only weirdos saw that or maybe someone might catch it on kung fu saturday you know uh early morning or whatever and now it's just you know you water benders are are doing snake form kung fu you know and <laughs> earth benders are doing tiger and you know they, they're they're using uh real kung fu in the in anime and fantasy and and it's fantastic it's amazing to see um but yeah the 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 how fast things are acceptable and how fast ideas move definitely is that that sort of hmm it, it's kind of like giving giving a student an a on a book report you're pretty sure that they downloaded off the internet um <laughs> yeah and that, i mean that i think that changes some of the calculus for the older gamers as to how mm. much we want to say i like that idea you had let's do it next time and and remember this is kind of a game breaker so you get the one dramatic moment to try it Mm -hmm. um the flip side i also like things like the fact that when my players um on my sunday game back in our first 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 mini campaign uh had the idea that well we're gonna we're gonna douse the entire half the courtyard with wine so when they come through we'll ignite it mm. <laughs> and and they were like gung-ho on this plan it was a great you know mm -hmm. it's alcohol alcohol burns mm -hmm. <laughs> um let's do this and i'm like okay cool um we're due for a break anyways let's take a let's take a five get get some fresh mm -hmm. water does wine burn <laughs> mm. no. oh oh this will be fun <laughs> okay exactly. and then they, they they did the thing and they did the thing and, and i said here's what happens and they all kind of sat there and i went let me let me put something up in front of all of you. Let me share screen real quick. And they all went, oh, 
<laughs> Myself, I would have so, I would have so gotten. I I have a bottle of Klingon blood wine. I would have pulled from the top shelf and uncorked and poured said glass and lit a match and went <gasps> and watched them all go <gasps> and it go and sizzle out and and then laugh and laugh. Um, yes. Also, wine <laughs> is expensive. They they had a they had a plethora of wine. Mm. Um, because the town they were in, this is a little, little, a little bit wonky now. The town they were in was cursed with having an ever, a never-ending supply of good food <laughs> and um, drink. Mm. It was part of the zombie curse that their Weird. their physical needs were completely met. So, yeah. like, they could take cheese out of a stock room and go have it with bread and some and some some uh, some meats. And there would be a whole new wheel of cheese there when they went back into the stock room. <laughs> Neat. So, so they never wanted for food, but that was part of the, there's a, a longer story as to how this was actually part of a curse mm. on them, um, which meant they had lots of wine. Right. Uh, what they really needed was really, really good bourbon. Exactly. Yeah. That'll burn. <laughs> Again, that, that, I would yes, I would not throw a match in a bottle of this. <laughs> it would be a, a Molotov cocktail. Well, and, and going down this tangent, uh, we used to go camping over in uh, Pinery in um, uh, Ontario. It's it's mm. down. It's it's on Lake Huron. It's a little tiny yeah. campground, uh, provincial park, um, and they would have uh, on Wednesday. It's what they call the Rum and Spirits Walk. Mm. And the, what would happen is you you. It was a really well done story. I'm gonna. This is a longer story. Buckle up, kids. Um, right. You you show up for the rum and spirits walk, and you'd be all sitting around. All of a sudden, you hear this bear roar in the distance, and a bang. And this old hunter in like nine, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s clothes would come out with a lantern, look at everybody, and then take off down the trail. Well, if you follow him, he leads you to this bonfire, where he nice. the first thing out of his mouth is. I don't know what's up all you city slickers. I wouldn't be following no strange guy with a gun out to a bonfire, but since you're here and over the course of the evening spirits from the, the history of the park land come and talk to you about how they got, what their lives were like before they died, which was, Oh, Hey, Floofy, which was really neat. They had a native American girl who was part of the, um, the neutrals who controlled the mm. flint in the area. Mm-hmm. So nobody wanted to make war with them because they had flint so you can make knives. They yeah. had a, a woman that was a cook on a, a ship that was lost on Lake Huron storms. Um, and the big one was the rum runner. Because uh. a big part of that part of that area of Canada right. was yeah. really deep into running alcohol across Lake, Mich- Lake Huron into Michigan yeah. during prohibition. And and a big part of the show is they talk about the proper way to drink sugar beet special, mm. which is you fill your mouth with it, you swish it three times to the left, you swish it three times to the right, you swallow half, and you spit mm. the other half out, <laughs> which the guys do. They both get a good mouthful of sugar beet special, which is probably 190 proof. <laughs> and they and that flame is like 18 feet high. When they do it, it's like you can feel your eyebrows singe if you're in the front row. Um, and then the, awesome. the show ends with him going, yo, there's that bear I got to get. And he takes off running into the crowd because he thinks he sees it. And as you're mm. looking over your shoulder, you get hit with a uh, um, 
flashlights because three park rangers come walking up the other side and yeah. say, what are all you doing out here? You're not supposed to have a bonfire <laughs> outside your campsite. The Rum and Spirits <laughs> walk got canceled. There was a, there was a possibility of rain tonight. I mean, I know there weren't clouds up, but it might have rained. What what, what have you all been doing out here? And it's the <laughs> same show awesome. every week, and it's always amazing. And I love talking about it because it's, it's, a, it's the beauty of local production. Because if mm-hmm. you're under the age of 13, you're like, this is the best thing ever. Uh, right, if you're exactly. over the age of 30, you're like, and I get all the jokes now. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. This is a story hook. Oh, good. That I'm glad. It's I. I have to figure out how to use it as a story hook because it's such a neat. It's a real. It was a really fun time, and it was a great way as a history nerd, Mm -hmm. a really great way to teach history. Right. That that didn't get around the whole. Like they got around the. Here is someone from the American Revolution. Right. Well, how did they get here? He's just here. Like they really created a neat way to kind of give you that immersion. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I highly recommend it if you're ever, ever over C- Canadians seem to do a really good job with maintaining their provincial parks. So I'm just going to put that there. <laughs> there it um, is. Also. And if you're American traveling in Canada and you see anything that says OPP, do not mess. They're kind of like the Mounties, but mm. just in Ontario and they do not mess with Americans. They, they will deport you before you blink. <laughs> We, we've had it happen to friends and family. <laughs> they, they, if you were Canadian, eh, we'd be writing you a ticket for this, but you're not. So we're taking you to the border. <laughs> oh, your name's Karen, eh? Well, get to the back of the car. Get towards the boot. Get to the boot of the car. We're gonna, <laughs> hands on the boot. Um. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a hoot and a half. So we started off last week about this time. Mm. Um last week we started talking about pirate ships Mm. and 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 i think this gets to a big question if you are designing your world do you put cannons on ships in your D &D world uh again it, it it part of it's that that session zero if we've decided that there's black powder and and stuff there may be there may be a nation that has it or there may be you know it may be um it may be magical huh. it may be oh there is but one ship that has the 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 dragon breathers or you know the the that type type thing um or it could be that um so in my in my homebrew campaign, there are these dwarves who ha- are they're the sea dwarves. They are a clan of dwarves who found this area, these fjords, where there are great mineral veins in the fjords, in the rocks in the fjords. And they have built basically like Korean dragon ships. Hmm. Okay, the, 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 uh, Tokugawa period dragon ships and they've built these dragon ships and they have a steam cannon on board and you know they their technology is such that yes they can use um you know they they have a different level of technology basically than the the caravels and the ships of the line of other nations in the in the storyline um but if you have decided that there is black powder and you want to have 
cannons, you can have everything from, you know, simple deck gun wall deck guns that are, you know, cannons that are basically shotguns Mm -hmm. that are mounted to, you know, four pounders that (laughs) that are inside the deck decking and, and such, I guess. I would decide I would decide on the tech level on a nation level because if there's cannons there's cannons on ship there's cannons on the land and so now technically there were cannons in the 14 and 1500s so there were they were siege siege weapons yeah so Um, although at that same time um, and we're going to add on that Jackal agrees with you cannons are Mm -hmm. a thing in in their world um limited access and but available and expensive which raises mm-hmm. a different question um but to that point cannons in the, the the middle ages did exist but they were usually outclassed by trebuchets and mangonels because mm-hmm. the, the trebuchet was more reliable right um and longer ranged if, yeah. you've, if you've ever seen a trebuchet in action there's a dude in england has a full-size trebuchet and mm-hmm. he does things like throws pianos out of them <laughs> and and like I don't mean like a keyboard. I mean, he takes one of those upright pianos and mm-hmm. it, it, it goes three, 400 yards. Yeah. And that's like not a small object. Yeah. So, um, and even Napoleon was talking about trebuchets during his, his period, because again, they were amazing siege weapons relative to a cannon. Right. Which kind of gets into a question I would put out of, balancing the idea that if you're going to keep um cannons in the game but make them expensive it's almost like what captain want it gets weird to me because what captain wants a cannon mm-hmm. when they can have a fire mage throwing fireballs well and that's that's just it too where you know we we we've joked for decades that you know the elves they they come out and they've got five guys who then you know put the wand on their shoulder like a law rocket and start firing firing fireballs out of the wand of fireball mm-hmm. that they have you know or the 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 lightning mages where they've got a cart with like four wands of lightning on it and they they wheel it out and point it when the you know the block of of uh, orcish you know horde is coming and they fire all four wands of lightning and cut a 25 foot path through the yeah. you know <laughs> i think for me i think i suffer from knowing too much mm-hmm. because from from where i'm at i'd rather not because mm-hmm. it's hard for me not because I also have to unthink of things like, wow, one good flame strike spell mm-hmm. becomes the end of a ship. Because mm-hmm. if that flame strike hits the powder magazine, that's the end of the ship. Um, but maybe black powder in the D&D world it isn't prone to spontaneous combustion. Right. I mean, not true spontaneous combustion because, you know, you know, there's fire there. But it's like it's not as unstable. Right. It, it only goes off when it's loaded in the cannon. It has to be prepped first. Yeah. Um, so there are ways to get around that realism. But for me, it's like, I so would rather not. It's like, if if I'm pitching a game, I'll pitch it as, I really don't want you to have black powder guns or cannons or arquebuses um, for this particular game. Unless everyone goes, oh, but we want to be the musketeers. And and I, I'll I'll 
briefly say, oh, so you all want to use rapiers and have witty repartee? And they'll go, no, we want to use muskets. <laughs> and I'll go, all right, that's legit. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping you didn't know that's what musketeer meant. <laughs> okay. Which, by the way, um, if you didn't know, the musketeers were actually known for the fact that they were like special trained troops to fight with <laughs> the original muskets. Can't give a curse back that way. Interesting. Uh, some people are anti-magic. They need balancing risk. That's true. And it, and that's a good point Jackal brings up is that balancing the lore of your world for how people feel about magic. Right. And, is, and back to that session zero type talk, you know, if, if, if it's going to be a thing, it's either going to be a one-time thing that breaks the rules or we just keep it out or it's accepted, you know? Well, and I think it's fair that if you have a world, like from a world building point of view, and this will make a great show in the future mm. um, about balancing forces within a world and just to riff on some of the things we've seen happen. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a world where most people can't do magic, right. uh, I'm even thinking Dragonlance was a very mm -hmm. magic low world. Yeah, uh, People are more prone to be inventive with te technology Right. Because they want to be part of the cool crowd. Yeah. They, or they want to at least keep the mages from having too much power. Yeah. Um, in a high magic world where almost anybody can decide at seven or eight that they want to start exploring magic as a way of life. Mm -hmm. Or there's a large enough population, everybody has a sister or a cousin that's a wizard. Right. Maybe Maybe they weren't able to because... DNA didn't work out that way, but they don't have to go far to find a wizard that will change the, again, the impetus to do the research to, and to share the research. Because I think, again, that thing that gets lost in just how important it is that you, we realize science is built on sharing of knowledge just as much as it is experimentation and writing things down. And 13, thank you for popping in and joining the club. And thank you for reminding us we are supposed to be hydrating through happy hour. Uh, mm. An easy way to get yourself hungover is to not adequately hydrate um, mm. with non-potent potables to balance the potent potables over the course of an evening. Yeah, that was supposed to be hydration. So, uh, yeah. um, I managed to get through an entire school year drinking literally out of a flask and never had any parent complain. <laughs> That's my nice. water flask, but still. Yeah, it's all about balancing law versus chaos and um, let's see, norm out of fear-based. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff that you can do when you, when you set your campaign up to do that. In the avatar comments, the advancement of technology, non-benders are able to be more productive than benders. Yep. I, I think I've seen a little bit of that and we watched a little bit of Legend of Korra and you start to see some of that. Yeah, um, the Jim Butcher series. Mm -hmm. oh, Any of the, them? Not the, uh, not the Dresden Files. There's a six book series, and everyone has like Bender type magic. They, um, they all have like a spirit animal, kind of like oh, there was a movie, The Golden Compass, or one of those where everybody had like an avatar-type animal. Well, this book series of books is like that. And mm -hmm. hence, there's 
there's not a lot of medicine and stuff because you go to basically a water bender you sit in a bathtub and they they manipulate the water in your body and around you to do healing and stuff so so they're the invention of things is stifled by the use of magic and hence the kid who it grows up realizing he doesn't have any magic is like inventive as heck because he can't, you know, he can't just go and a fire starts. <laughs> right. Or ask his sister to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's the thing too, is a lot of this technology and science, I think I'm, I'm going to keep beating this drum today. We take mm. for granted the importance of communication. I mean, let's be honest. We have the internet because early science scientists in the sixties said, we need a better way to share information with people. And the United States government, among with other governments, said, we're going to put money into that. Let's figure out a way to share information. And now we use it to share cat GIFs. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of that idea of that, that ability to say, I have an idea. What do you think about it? And have instant feedback as opposed to, I have an idea. I'm going to write something down. I'm going to have somebody print it. I'm going to have someone publish it. You're going to read it. And then you're going to sit down and write a response and go back. And that's exactly how I pronounced it. Um, back and forth and back and forth. Um, we really have had, and we, we've seen an explosion, I think, in technology in the last 20 years because of the the ubiquitousness of the internet. Yeah. I we, mean, that's, I, I often say, you know, like if the girls ask me a question, I say to the Google machine and, <laughs> you know, we look it up. Yeah, because it's it's a thing where I can give a half baked. OK, yeah, I remember something about it. Or we can just look it up and be like, bam, there it is. You mm -hmm. know, and so. that again, I think that really changes the course of technology, technological growth. Although the next thing to bring up, if you look in any it like rules as written player's handbook, mm. there's the there's the foundation for an Internet. If a whole bunch of people wanted to, using player's handbook rules as written, they could have an internet. Sending spells and such. Exactly. Yeah. Summoning, you know, summoning spells, um, all kinds of other good publication options. Yeah, we're having a bit of a debate uh, about GIF in the. Uh, <laughs> I see that. In the the the, the <laughs> chat, um, I've said GIF since I first saw them. I probably will never stop. So good luck with that. <laughs> um. And I believe the gentleman who wrote the first encoding algorithm for the format hmm. says Jeff. All right. Take so we're going to go with that. So what, what have you got? Well, if you have other thoughts, you want to add to this conversation, oh. we welcome you to do so lots of places. Um, Oldtimer Tavern at gmail.com is one of the best places to email us an idea or a suggestion. Uh, you're welcome to join uh, my discord. And I can get you in touch with Greybeard through the Discord um, so we can get chatting there. You can find either of us on Twitter, um, Greybeard Tavern or Lantern Noir. Um, and we are happy to engage with you over there. Sometimes we remember on Monday to, to kick around what we're going to talk about on Tuesday. So we can kind of see what we're going to be talking about. Um, and we really encourage you to be part of these conversations. We do this live on Twitch as our recording platform because we like to talk to you and get your ideas while we go. It makes it more, 
makes it feel like we're hanging out at a happy hour and random people have wandered up and said, you know, I have a thought on that. And they add it in. Um, and last but not least, as a member of the Inverse Genius family, you're also welcome to stop by the Inverse Genius Facebook group and throw some thoughts up there. Even if it's not related to our show, they're a great group of men and women who are just unified in their geekery. Speaking of geekery, Greybeard. Next seven days. Break it Next down. seven days. Thursday, 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 over at uh, Indoor Adventures. Uh, we have our mass game. We'll see how uh, Cody Johnson, a.k.a. Golden Gauntlet, uh, how his story, technically because it's masks, and we've indoor started the, the whole series with a kids group going on a tour and seeing these four statues of these four great heroes. So we're about to finish the beginning of their story um, in the next couple episodes over there. And uh, that's always a good time. And then you can catch me Sunday, 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 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Greybeard Tavern. And I play with toys and you know things and we we play games and uh yeah so right now we're playing grifflands over there so pop in at 10 a.m 10 to noon and we'll play there and then you can catch me back here on tuesday where i warm this seat and drink my drink for a happy hour and we talk about something dnd Mm -hmm. I also am going to give a shout out. I, I missed the chance to push the button, but in the chat, there's a shout out to Indoor Adventures. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason I do that is my Wednesday night game coming up tomorrow night. We are continuing with Dragon Heist, the Waterdeep Adventure. Uh, Third Tier, who's our mod today, as well as Danae Keener of DanaeKeener.com. Both feature there, and you can find Danae Keener of DanaeKeener.com running a game on indoor adventures so there's a lot of there's a really neat family network of of gamers dms and players all working together to make great content um and so if you're not coming over here and you're not hanging out with graybeard you should probably pop over there you might see one of us and if mm -hmm. you don't see one of us you'll see one of us adjacent in mm -hmm. that space so that's wednesday night we're going to continue with that um i'm probably doing generic gaming friday and or saturday um, not counting any afternoon streams I add to my schedule because I'm on summer vacation and I feel like I should be streaming more because I can and I want to. Um, so, and the wife works. So what else am I going to do? Um, but United Adventure Company, thanks you for your knowledge and time. Well, we are happy to provide it. Um, and then Sunday, we're returning to Curse of Strahd. We're moving into the next chapter. They're about to hit the winery. If you're at all familiar with the story arcs, that's where they're at. And I, that's one of my, that's a, a great group that I love gaming with. I just hope we finish it before Nebula um, gets to where she's going to be in October. Because I think she's got a thing coming up that might take her out of streaming for a couple of months. So I'm really hoping we finish the game by October. Um, and if you know anything about Curse of Strahd, you understand why I'm stressed. That might not happen. Mm -hmm. I, I might have to like put the gas pedal down with that group. Um, and then I'll <laughs> be back here again on Tuesday. So we'll see that if you've given a follow, we appreciate that. Um, if you're listening to the podcast edition, please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. It helps other people find this content and it lets us know how we're doing. Are you enjoying this? Should we be making major changes? Should we just give it all up and go back to our day jobs, which Grr. technically we're not missing for this because we wait for happy hour. So yeah, screw you. Um, <laughs> But 
please consider a kind review if you can. Um, we really appreciate that. Um, until the next time we all get together, please absolutely stay safe. Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern is a proud part of the Inverse Genius Network of Content. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. They give valuable feedback for the hosts and help others find this amazing content.